All right, good morning, everybody. How you doing today? You glad to be here today? All right, man, me too, me too. All right, so I'm going to start off with a little uh, pop culture quiz. All right, a little pop culture quiz to see if you're in tune with what's going on around you, all right? Uh, so I'm going to put a face on the screen. I want to see if you know who this person is, all right? So ready? Uh, there's a face on the screen. All right, yeah, I heard several of you. You know who that is? All right, yeah, Kanye West. So uh, the reason why I put that up there is because Kanye is kind of in the middle of a pop culture discussion right now. He's kind of the epicenter of a movement that's happening right now because Kanye has come forward uh, claiming to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, he produced a album that is one of the top albums right now uh, in the United States and going global. All right, you say, well, so that, that's great. You know, this guy claimed to know Jesus. All right, what's the big issue? Well, you got to know who Kanye is, all right? Kanye is a American uh, singer, rapper, producer, songwriter. Uh, he is, uh, he has the most Grammy Awards of any other artist in his generation, 21 Grammy Awards. He has sold over 140 million records. That is an astounding number of records. Uh, he's worth over $240 million. I mean, he is iconic in so many different ways. And uh, Kanye has, has said, man, I've given my life to Christ. And, and he decided to make an album called Jesus is King. That's the number one album out right now uh, and selling rapidly. Uh, he's having thousands flock to his concerts. He's given away thousands of Bibles. Just this weekend, he was in a prison in Houston sharing the gospel, singing about Jesus. Um, let me tell you what, God is using Kanye in a big, big way. Uh, you know, his wife, Kim Kardashian, uh, it also makes him just super popular because of that relationship. So God is using him. Now, yeah, there's some people that are skeptical, right? There's some people go, yeah, but it's just probably just a way to sell more albums. It's all about him. Uh, and then there are others that embrace Kanye as a brother in Jesus. I, I choose to embrace him and say, Kanye, God bless you. Welcome to the family. We love you. We're praying for you. Go get them. All right. Uh, because I believe God's using him to introduce Jesus to a whole new generation that would never come to church or never listen to a preacher, but they're listening to him. One of the number one Google searches right now is what is a Christian, and that's because of Kanye's influence. In fact, just to show you how bold he is on uh, his album, Jesus is King, which by the way is a pretty bold uh, title. Um, Here's uh, one of his songs is called Jesus is Lord. Let me just put the lyrics up of the title, I mean, of, of this song. This is what he says. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, that's called Bible, right? That's like scripture, right? I mean, he is not holding back. He's not apologizing. He doesn't care what people think about him. He is being bold, all right? So I put that out there because I want to talk today about you being bold. That's Kanye being bold. He's not stepping back. He's not making apologies. 
I want to talk about you being bold. What does it look like for you to be bold with your faith, for you to be bold with the gospel? All right. Now, when I talk about boldness, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about um, being bold, meaning that you're kind of obnoxious or loud or overly confrontational. I'm not talking about boldness, meaning that you, you, know, you go live in some remote village somewhere and that's being bold for Jesus, even though God may lead you to do that. I, I'm not talking about being bold, meaning being rude, all right? I, I, that's not the kind of boldness I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spirit-empowered boldness for your faith. I guess you could define boldness this way. Boldness is trusting God and obeying him regardless of your circumstances or the consequences. Think about it. It's trusting God and obeying him, whatever God's calling you to do, regardless of the circumstances around you or the consequences you may face for being obedient to God. That's what I'm talking about. Spirit-empowered boldness. I have a, a friend of mine, and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of been sideways with a neighbor, and, and God's been putting it on his heart to make it right, and man, he can't sleep at night, and God's been talking to him when he's praying, hey, you need to go make this right. So it's gonna take boldness for him to walk across the street and knock on the door and have a conversation. That's gonna be bold for him to do that. Not knowing how it's going to play out. Listen, you may, uh, for you, it may be being bold to have a spiritual conversation with somebody. And you're like, man, I've been talking to this person. And, and you know, we kind of, you know, I'll say things like, I'm praying for you or God bless you or whatever. But I've never said, hey, where do you stand in your walk with God? And for you, that's going to be bold for you to step out and have a spiritual conversation. Uh, for some of you, there's an elephant in the room, all right, in your house, right? There's, there's an issue going on, and you've got some conviction about that, and God's been speaking to you about that. But for you to bring it up and to talk about it, it's going to be bold. I mean, listen, God wants you to be bold. That's the main idea of what I wanted you to talk, talk to you about today. God wants you to be bold, right? God's not interested in hand-wringing, head-bowed, apologetic kind of faith. He's not interested in that. That's not what took over the world. Uh, he's interested in followers of his that are bold, that obey him and trust him regardless of the consequences, regardless of the circumstances. God wants you to be bold. And I want to talk to you about what that looks like in your life, all right? So I want you to get your Bible. Let's do what we do. We always get into God's Word. Uh, so open up your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 is where we're going to be landing uh, today. Acts chapter 4. Uh, while, while you get there, let me just kind of set the stage for what we're going to read. Uh, Pentecost has already happened. The Spirit of God has come. Uh, and uh, the birth of the church has is, is, is been launched out. Over 3,000 believers now. Uh, Peter and John are now going to the temple courts. And they're going in the afternoons at the time of prayer. And they see a beggar that's been there for most of his life. He's over 40 years old. And he, this guy's probably begged 35 of that 40 years in the same spot. Everybody knows him. Everybody sees him. And, uh, and they're walking by. And he begs for money like he always does. And they said, hey, we don't have a lot of cash on us. But what we do have in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And this guy is supernaturally crazy healed in that moment. He's standing up. 
people are seeing, people are noticing what's happening. And John and Peter use that as an opportunity to preach about Jesus, that Jesus is king, all right? And as they preach about Jesus, who was put to death and raised to life, even more people are gathering, and now people are coming to faith in Jesus, even up to about 5,000. We'll get to that in a minute. And so what happens is, all this is great, man, gospel's going out and then all of a sudden something happens opposition resistance that's what they're about to face in chapter 4 it's all about the church facing opposition the church facing uh, resistance so let's see let's look and see uh, what happens so here's the first point by the way if you're taking notes be bold in the face of opposition be bold in the face of opposition look at chapter 4 beginning at verse 1 this is the word of God while they were speaking to the people the priests, the captain of the temple police and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed I love that word annoyed they were just so annoyed right they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in them Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. And the next day, their rulers, elders, scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them, by what power or in what name have you done this? All right, now stop right there for just a minute. Uh, this is a serious situation, very serious Situation, all right? They've been preaching. 5,000, it says men were saved. We're not really sure if that means an aggregate total number, like 3,000 at Pentecost, now an extra 2,000, 5,000 saved, or if this was an additional 5,000. We're not really sure. It's kind of unclear. Uh, it's a lot of people. And by the way, they're only counting men. They're not counting women and children. So this, this movement could have already been swelling up to 10, 15, even 20,000 people, which definitely gets people's attention. And so when God is on the move, listen to me, this really important when God's on the move there is always opposition anytime God is moving there is going to be pushback there is going to be opposite if you decide hey man I am going to just live for Jesus on my campus I'm going to live for Christ on my team I'm going to live for Christ uh, with my friends I'm going to live for Christ in my office I'm going to be like unashamed of Christ and the gospel you are going to get opposition it's just going to happen anyone who desires to live a godly life uh will find and face persecution. In fact, in, in 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 16, I believe it is, uh, P, uh, Paul is saying, pray for me that a great, because a great door of opportunity is open up for us and many oppose me. See, opposition and opportunity are always hand in hand. And that's what's happening here. The gospel is moving, the kingdom is advancing, the things are happening, and all of a sudden there's like, no, there's this opposition. Now, who is it that's opposing uh, these guys, Peter and, and John? Who, who's opposing them? Well, let's just kind of look at it. I just want to explain this to you so you understand. Uh, one group are the Sadducees. See that? Underline the word Sadducees. These were, this was the priestly ruling class. These were the guys that were compliant with the Roman occupation. Uh, they were the, the, the royal class, the priestly class. 
um, they taught that there was no resurrection. They did not have hope of anything after this, etern- this earthly life. That is why they were very sad, you see. Come on, folks, come on, work with me here. They are very sad, you see, right? That's right. Uh, those are the sad you see. Then there is uh, Annas. Annas was a former high priest that was deposed by the Romans, but he retained tremendous power. Annas was like the godfather of the day. I mean, he didn't have the title, but he had all the power, and he oversaw all the operations at the temple, which means he controlled the purse strings. He controlled the money flow. He was a very powerful man. Uh, his son-in-law Caiaphas is now the acting high priest. So Caiaphas is there along with others of the priestly class. And then he mentions the groups like rulers, scribes, elders. I really believe he's talking here about the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling Jewish group. All right, 70 men that were really, they were like the Congress and the Supreme Court and the executive branch all rolled in together. They ruled the nation. So they're, they're all assembled and they're calling these two, you know, fishermen, Peter and John, to stand right there in front of them, talk about intimidation. It'd be like you saying, uh, you're going to appear before Congress in a hearing tomorrow because we want to know exactly what you've been doing, what you've been saying. And uh, we, we want to, your life is on the line here, pal. Uh, that kind of intimidation. Opposition. Listen, anytime you want to be bold, you will face opposition and listen Jesus said that this was going to happen he said in John uh, 15 verse 18 he said if the world hates you it hated me first you're going to face opposition sometimes you face that opposition from the outside world that is outside the family of God sometimes it's in a culture that says listen don't don't bring your Jesus into this office don't bring your Jesus into this school don't bring your Jesus into this club don't bring your Jesus in our our clubhouse or our golf course or our tennis court don't bring your Jesus there you if you want that you just go to your church you talk about him there but I don't want to hear anything about that Jesus thing down here we're not going to handle that around here it's that kind of opposition that you might face people that just don't like you they don't agree with you they don't stand for what you stand for they don't want to hear what you have to say you're going to face that your kids are going to face that we're living an increasing world that has little tolerance for the statement Jesus is king right and you're going to face that from the outside but you know what sometimes you face opposition uh, from a place you don't expect and that is from other Christians Sometimes you get other Christians and they're like, hey man, why don't you kind of dial it back? You're a little too, you know, you're just you're too much, man. I mean, you're talking about Jesus all the time and they talk about who you're sharing the gospel with and what your verse you're memorizing and who you're discipling and you're going here and there. I mean, can't you just kind of dial that back a little bit? I mean, gosh, you're kind of making us look bad. Just hold it back. And we actually, you'll find resistance in your own home, resistance in your own church, believe it or not. You know, this, this group that was opposing Peter and John was a religious group. They were the Sanhedrin. They were Jewish men and women, or men, but they, they were opposing him. Did you know that uh, when Kanye came out with this album, he anticipated that his resistance would be from Christians? In fact, in one of the songs that he wrote called Hands On, this is a lyric. He says, what have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first to judge me, make it feel like nobody loves me. They'll be the first to judge me, feel like nobody loves me. If they only see the wrongs, they'll never listen to the songs. That means 
you'll be the first to point out all my past and how wrong I've been and they won't even listen to what I'm saying now. Jesus said it's going to happen. That there will always be opposition. And Listen, remember a couple of weeks ago uh, I said Jesus started a movement and he wants us to get moving. Do you remember that? Not at me as if you remember that. It makes me feel better. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Jesus, <laughs> that was two weeks ago. All right, and, and we talked about our movement. We talked about what God's calling us to do to plant nine churches over the next five years and what that's going to take. And we kind of rolled that out for you. And listen, we said that Jesus started this movement, but here's what I want you to know, that what fuels the movement, it's like pouring gas on the movement, is spirit-empowered boldness. When, when God's people are bold, the movement moves forward when God's people are not silent the movement moves forward God's people are unashamed the movement moves hey there's a lot of people in this world and they're a lot of they're they're unashamed about a lot of weird stuff can we agree with that there's a whole lot of whacked out weird stuff out there that people are parading and, and 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 not ashamed of and I'm like so why in the world will we be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ somebody tell me that there's no reason why we should 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and love, and somebody tell me, a sound mind. And that's why God gives every single believer in Jesus Christ. It's going to take boldness. And listen, one believer stands up and is bold, then three more stand up and are bold. One more stands up and talks about Jesus. Five more stand up and talk about Jesus. And that's how the movement moves forward. It's gas on the movement. It's fuel to the movement, the boldness, the spirit-empowered boldness of God's people let me give you a verse that I love you know this would be a great tattoo if you want to have one I'm not advocating but it'd be cool uh, Proverbs 28 1 the wicked flee when no one pursues but the righteous are bold as a lion isn't that just cool I love that and uh, the wicked are like oh ah, yeah, ah, yeah, over there over there ah. you know I live it in fear and he said man the righteous are chest out a feet planted bold as a light not because we're bold in ourselves because we know whom we have believed and we know this Jesus who has changed our lives God's calling you to be bold God wants you to be bold he wants you and you and you and you and you and you to be bold right where he's planted you even in the face of opposition. Let me a second thought. Jot this down. He wants you to be bold with the gospel. Not just bold in op- the face of opposition, but bold with the gospel. Look at verse 8. What's Peter going to do? I mean, he's been called on the carpet. Literally, he's standing in the middle. Uh, what's he going to do? Is he going to wring his hands? Is he going to hold back? Do he say, well, I didn't really mean to say Jesus? Or is he going to make an excuse? Let's find out. Look at verse 8. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and who God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is a stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. (laughs) Can you just say wow to that? I mean, that is like unbelievable courage. 
I mean, you gotta, gotta remember the last time Peter saw this same group of people, Peter was on the outside uh, in a courtyard. This same group was together. They had Jesus on the hot seat in there and they were accusing Jesus and intimidating Jesus and beating Jesus. And Peter is scared to death. I mean, he's hiding out. He's like warm in his hands by the fire. And when the young village girl goes, aren't you like one of those? I, I think you were kind of, I could tell by your accent, you're kind of a Galilean. He's like, no, I don't even know who this Jesus is. Get away from me. I don't know him. Remember that? So afraid. And now here's Peter before the same group the same group that killed Jesus, and he's like, chest out, name of Jesus. How do you explain that? How do you explain that in just a few days, he went from being a coward to courageous? He went from being intimidated uh, to bold. How do you explain that? Well, it's in verse 8. Look at it. It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. One is prior to Pentecost. The other one is after. He is filled with the Spirit. You say, Craig, you want me to be bold? How in the world can I be bold, man? I'm just so intimidated. I'm so afraid. Here it is. The Spirit of God is a source of boldness. The Spirit of God is a source of biblical boldness, of being bold in your faith. It comes from the Spirit of God. Now, listen, I, I want to talk to you for just a minute about this, all right? So I want to kind of dial in close to you, and I want to, I want to unpack something for you that's really, really important, all right? So let me, let me just try to clarify this for you. I want to talk to you a little bit about what, it, what do I mean by the Spirit of God being the source of boldness. I want to give you three things about the role of the Holy Spirit in your life that are very important for you to understand. The first one is this. first one is this. The Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit at the point of your salvation. You receive all the Spirit of God at the moment that you're saved. In uh, Hebrews, uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, Once you heard the gospel and believed, you were sealed and secured by the Holy Spirit, who is a, 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 uh, a down payment, a deposit for heaven that is to come. In 2 Peter, it, verse one, chapter 1, verse 3, it says that we, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. You have all of that at the moment you're saved. Think about it. How are you saved? The only way you're saved is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that convicted you of your sin. It's the Holy Spirit, a Spirit that opened your eyes to the truth. He's the one that leads you into truth. It's the Holy Spirit that, uh, that caused you to be regenerated and reborn. It's the Holy Spirit that places you into the body of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that seals you for the day of redemption. It's the Holy Spirit that, in fact, so much so that in Romans chapter 8, he said, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you do not belong to Christ. It is essential that you understand that you receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of your salvation. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a power. He is a he, right? And, and he comes into your life. He takes residence in your life. Your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. See, the Jewish believe, people believe that the Spirit of God resided in the physical temple, the building that is still today. They say the divine presence is in the buildings, in the rocks. That's why they go and they put their hands on the wall and they pray to the wall. Why? Because they believe the Spirit of God only exists in the rocks. And that's so sad. Paul said, do you not understand that you are the temple? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Just, just as the Spirit of God dwelt in the Holy of Holies, he now dwells in you. What a beautiful picture. You carry him around. You're a temple and the Spirit of God dwells within you, right? So the Spirit of God comes to live in your life at the moment of your salvation. What a wonderful gift. Here's the second thing, that we are to live 
filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, uh, verse 18 and 19 says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't live under the control of alcohol. Live under the control of the Holy Spirit. Don't be driven by alcohol. Be driven by the Spirit. And it's interesting that phrase, to be filled with the Spirit, indicates an ongoing reality. It's to happen over and over and over and over. It's the normal Christian life. That you're to always be filled, filled, controlled, led by, directed by the Holy Spirit. To be opposite of that is to be led by your flesh, right? To live by your own selfishness. But he says, you're to, to be living every single day when you surrender to God. Say, God, fill me today and use me and guard my mouth and my words and my attitudes. Spirit of God, use me today. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's why in Galatians 5, he says, walk in the Spirit. That's why in Galatians 5, he says, keep in step with the Spirit. That's the whole idea. This is the normal Christian life, right? It, it's not an emotional experience per se. It is a reality of who you are in Christ, his spirit dwelling within you. But, so that's the second thing, you live filled with the spirit. But here's the third thing, there are moments and times when the spirit of God empowers you for supernatural boldness. There's just a time when God puts you in the right spot at the right time and the spirit of God says, it's game on. Open your mouth. Now is the time. Have you ever felt that? Have there ever been a moment in your life where you're like, oh, all of a sudden it's like this felt a surge within you like, all right, I have to say something. That is the Spirit of God jolting you with supernatural boldness. And I believe that's exactly what's happening with Peter. Peter, you know, I'm sure he was pretty terrified, you know, when he's all night waiting, what's going to happen, you know, what's going to, but I mean, in the moment, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to say. You don't have to prepare your sermon in advance. I will fill you with my spirit. I'll put my words in your mouth and you will say what I tell you to say. And uh, they said, so tell us again, what's this name? What name? He's like, you want to know a name? I'll, I'll give you a name. <laughs> if you really want to know. He said, if you're, if you're asking us, all right, if we're calling on the carpet for doing something good to this disabled man, let me tell you whose name it is. It's the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. One is address, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's who it is. And he said, by the way, this is the guy that you killed, you crucified, but God anointed, God appointed uh, as the Messiah. And then he goes on to quote Psalm 118.22, which doesn't mean a lot to us, but the people he was talking to knew that was a messianic text. That was a prophecy about the Messiah to come. And he said, this Jesus is the one that the builders have rejected, but God is appointed as a capstone. You guys rejected Jesus, but God is appointed him as a messiah and then if that wasn't enough if they hadn't got it by then time then he says and there is no other name given among men whereby you must be saved drop the mic you know moment wow golly can you imagine what boldness they're bold with the gospel you know, the gospel is basically Jesus crucified, Jesus raised from the dead, the exclusivity of Jesus, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, all that is wrapped up in these just couple of sentences. It was just a concentrated punch. This is the gospel. Listen, we, we need to be bold with the gospel. Why in the world should we be ashamed of the gospel? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. 
You know what? Listen, folks, the gospel is still good news. <laughs> it's still good news. It's good to know you can be forgiven of your sin. You can be right with God, that you can have purpose and meaning and assurance even in this life. That though we have drifted from God because of our sin and we hit this wall of reality that goes, what is going to happen in my life? That Jesus came and he died on a cross. He rose again from the dead. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And you can be reconciled to God through faith in what Christ has done. That is still good news. And your neighbor needs the good news. And that client needs the good news. And your extended family needs the good news. And this world needs the good news. Listen, if you're a guest today, you're really in a great spot because I want to tell you what we believe, all right? We believe some things around here, all right? We're not just playing church. We believe some things around here. We believe that every person spends eternity somewhere. We believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. We believe that the church is not a building. The church is a movement. We believe that God's called us to be bold with the gospel because the time is short. We believe that Jesus Christ is coming again and he's going to come bring his church. And we believe that he wants us now to do all that we can with a full court press to reach as many as we can in our city and in our country and around the world until he comes. That's what we're about. And that's what any gospel preaching church is about. Listen, folks, absolutely. I think we should celebrate that right now hey so what God's called us to folks are you with me are you with me we're in this together God wants you to be bold with the gospel even in the face of opposition bold with God here, here let me give you one more thing and I'll wrap up with this I'm kind of fired up right now I could go another hour but I, I won't all right I know we got we got we got food to eat and a game to get to anyway. All right, so here's the last thing. Here, here's the last thing. God wants you to be bold with your life. Uh, look, look at look at this. I just can't end here. All right, check this out. Verse thirteen. Look at verse thirteen. And when they observed the boldness, there it is. That word boldness. That's the theme of the passage. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Peter and John were not educated in the seminaries, in the, in the rabbinic traditions. They got cut from that a long time ago. They were, they were slinging nets and cleaning fish. They were leathered hands and hand necks and they were just common ordinary guys but yet God was doing something amazing through them I want you to understand something that this is always how God works the movement of God was not fueled on the backs of the elite or the educated it was always God working through common ordinary people this uh vision that God's given us to plant nine churches over the next five years, this vision for us to plant churches that will plant churches, this vision of God to do this. Listen, we can't hire enough staff for that. We can't, we can't recruit enough professional ministers for that. You know what it's going to take? It's just going to take common people like you and like me that are willing to roll up our sleeves and say, I will go help plant that church in Jerusalem. I will go and help uh, get that thing off the ground in, in, in uh, London. I'll go and help support what's happening in Montreal. I will go to North Texas and help get that thing off the ground. It's going to be common, ordinary people filled with the Spirit of God and moving boldly in the name of Jesus. That's what it's going to take. You and me, 
and I love, I love what, um, what Jeff said last week. He said, if God has got a, a call on this church, that means God has a call on your life. If God's called our church to do something, that means because you're a part of this, he's got a call on your life to be bold. Y'all, uh, most of you know that we have a team in uh, Zambia, uh, Africa, this uh, week. They've been there helping launch a church that actually officially launches next weekend. Here's a picture of, of that team that went out there sharing the gospel, telling their testimony. But I want to tell you a little bit about what happened this week. Uh, this next picture is Doug Jones, and Doug is uh, preaching uh, at night at uh, a gathering they had. There he is talking. And basically his story is that he was not a Christian until long into his adult years. For most of his life, he felt like, hey, I've got everything I need. I, I got my career, got my family. That's really what life is about. I don't need this Jesus. And he had a praying wife named Nancy that prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and prayed that he would finally come to Jesus. And through the prayers of his wife and over many years and the prayers of godly men in his life that came around him and helped him, he was, his eyes were open to Jesus. His heart was convicted of his sin. He asked Christ to come into his life as a grown man, as a dad. So he told that story. And then he went on to tell what's happened over this last year and a half in Doug's life. However, this last year, he lost his brother to cancer. And then he lost his wife to cancer, this one that prayed for him. And then how his business shut down. And he said, all the things that I would have put my hope in were taken away. But he said, the one thing that sustained me is Jesus. After his story, they simply shared the gospel 60 people came to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of his testimony. Now, absolutely. And here's, what, here's a picture of the next day. They're going through all the registry, all the people that prayed to receive Christ. So these people are now going to be folded into the church, which they had about 50. So now I guess there are over 100 now, and the church hadn't officially even launched yet. Here's what I'm saying. Doug wasn't, didn't go to seminary anywhere. There are no special degrees, no special credentials. He was a common, ordinary guy that loves Jesus and was willing to do something bold with his life, like get a ticket and stand on a platform and talk about Jesus. That can be you. He was sitting right where you are last week. That can be you. Listen, I just want to remind you that God, you don't have to have some kind of special credential. All you need is to be obedient, to trust God and obey him, regardless of the circumstances, the consequences, to be bold with the gospel, even in the face of opposition, to be bold with your life, to do something beyond the comfortable. You go, Pastor, I can't do that. I'm just so scared. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. And you will never regret it. This week, I want to just challenge you very quick. I'm going to land the plane here, okay? Uh, bear with me. I want to challenge you to be bold in three ways. Number one, I want you to be bold in your conversations this week. I want you to actually take a risk this week. And instead of saying to that person you've been talking to, well, God bless you, or I'll pray for you, kind of these innocuous spiritual phrases, why don't you stop and say, hey, can I just tell you a little bit of my story and share what Christ 
how you came to Christ. Just share that. Just say, hey, let me just tell you uh, what happened in my life and see what God does as you share a testimony, a witness of what Jesus has done for you. I want you to be bold in your conversation. Secondly, I want you to be bold in your serving. You know, we've got opportunities coming up to serve in our community and to be a light in our community, both in Holly Jolly's coming up and then um, I think a couple weeks and then Night of Hope after that. You know, just last year, Night of Hope, there was a guy in our church and he's, he's kind of quiet, doesn't really like to put himself out there that much and he was really nervous about volunteering with Night of Hope, but he felt like he should. He felt like God was leading him to. So he went out to Night of Hope and he was just kind of helping, you know, some families, you know, watching kids, coloring with them and talking to them. And this lady turned to him and she said, uh, she said, I'm really going through a hard time. And she said, uh, would you just pray for me and my family? And fear shot through his body. He's like, she wants me to pray? I mean, I can't pray. I, don't, I can't pray out loud. I mean, I pray, I, pray, I pray out loud with my own family. I mean, I can't pray. I, you know, but in that moment, he also had Holy Spirit boldness. And he said, yes. And he grabbed her by the hand and he prayed a simple prayer. He goes, man, I don't even know what I prayed. I don't even know. I may have prayed the national anthem. I don't know what I prayed, but I prayed. And, and, and then she wiped her tears and she said, thank you so much. And she left with her kids. And he, I, I saw him right after this happened. He goes, you'll never guess what happened. And I said, what? He goes, well, this lady, she turned to me and she said, can you pray? And I didn't know what to say. And I prayed for her. And then he looked at me and he said, can you believe that God actually used me? Can you believe that? How crazy is that? That God actually used me. Listen, God used him because he was bold enough to take a risk to just show up. And maybe you just need to be bold to serve and take a risk and show up and just see what God does. To be ready. Here's the last thing. Be bold in your giving. You know, I said every, once a year, we... We don't, we don't talk about giving a whole lot around here. Honestly, probably should talk about it more, but we don't. We don't even pass a plate. We have boxes in the back of them. God seems to provide. You're generous people. But there's one time a year when I say, folks, above and beyond, this is worth it. And every dollar you give to the Big Give this year will go toward this church plant. And I know that that's on Jesus's heart. I know that he wants churches to be planted to make disciples and reach the nations. I know that. And we're gonna be fast at work, uh, pulling that team together, training them, identifying the location. It will happen in 2020. But folks, your giving to this will allow us to deal with upfront costs of equipment and so on to allow this to happen. So would you please just be bold in your giving. Ask God what he wants you to give. And then be obedient to it. And trust him in it. 